Thank you so much for coming uh, to this seminar this morning on how to rekindle your first love with Jesus. Uh, my name is David Machado. I um, currently um, am the speaker and director for the, our ministries called Revelation Love Ministries. A uh, number of years ago in 2017, you may have heard last night, I was doing an evangelistic series at Kenneth Cox's church um, that he was a part of, and he helped us establish the Revelation Love Ministries. Um, that's my wonderful wife right there. Um, here's another picture of her because I got to talk a little bit about her. Um, she is Romanian, so I call her my Romanian Rose. And uh, we, she's been traveling with me. We're about to celebrate six years of marriage this year. And this is our newest member of our family um, right there. So he is adorable, but he is extremely loud at night, especially. So don't be fooled. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but he is just a joy, and we've been learning so much and just having such a wonderful time learning how to be parents. Um, so, you didn't come here to hear all about me. You came here to hear about Jesus, and so I just want to thank you so much for coming here. I, want to, I put it all on PowerPoint or Keynote so that we could follow along together. We have a lot to cover, so I figured that we will be able to do that um, satisfactorily um, through the Keynote presentation. Before we get started on how to rekindle your first love with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to please bow your heads. But before you do that, sorry about that, I'm going to have time for questions and answers. At least I'm going to try. Now, there's lots of stories and lots of experiences. I've done 10 years of literature work, knocking on doors, canvassing. I've done about 10 or more years of Bible working. Um, and I've been an evangelist for a lot of years, too. And so lots of stories I would like to share with you, but I'm going to be looking at my time I definitely would like for us to have time to have questions and answers in respect to this topic or anything you may have. But before we get started with today's presentation on rekindling your first love, I would like to invite you to please bow your heads. We have a lot to pray about. I hear that there's a lot of fires out in Southern California. That's where or Northern California, that's where um, I'm from Southern California, so I'm quite used to the dangers of the fires. But I think we should say a special prayer for those out there. All right, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father, which are in heaven, I want to thank you so much for the sweet privilege to be able to share your word. Father, we've come here, whether we need a, a revival experience in our own life, or we're seeking to keep that love burning um, stronger and stronger for you and with you. Whatever the reason is that we're here, Father, I pray that you would teach us and that you would grow us closer to you. And Father, I want to pray in a very special way for the fires that are taking place in California. Um, I just pray that you would please keep um, those structures safe, the people safe. I know it's very close to Weimar and that area. And I just pray, Lord, that you would please have mercy and, and please help um, with this situation. And Lord, we pray that you would please bring a fire in this place, that you would ignite a love for you that we've never had before, and that you would draw us closer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to cover three things in this presentation. The first thing is, um, our first, what is our first work in working for the Lord? Many people think that if I just go into ministry, my love for God is just going to grow incredibly. But many people go into ministry for the wrong reasons. And so what is our first work in working for the Lord? It's going to be very important. That first point is what we're going to talk about in the first portion of this uh, presentation. The second point we're going to learn, uh, by God's grace, is how can we make sure that our love for God is growing and thriving while sharing God with others. And then the last point is how to rekindle your love for God. So how do we rekindle our love for God? How, if we've lost it, how do we get it back? 
if we don't even have it? How do we get it? That's what we're going to be talking about in, these, uh, in this presentation today. So y'all ready? Okay, I love interaction. I am Hispanic. My mother is Puerto Rican and my father's Mexican. And so anytime there's, it's quiet, someone's getting in trouble. And so I like interaction. And so let's do this together. All right, so the first question I have for you all this morning is this one. Is there anyone in the Bible that lost their first love while doing the work for the Lord? Is there anyone in the Bible who was serving the Lord but lost that first love experience with Jesus? Ah, oh, very good. Yes, in Revelation chapter 2. Excellent. That's right. But there's someone else, I believe. Yes, sir. Oh, sorry about that. She said the people in the church of Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2, which was right on. We'll get there in a little bit later in the presentation. Is there anyone else who lost their first love experience while serving the Lord? Oh, King Saul. That's an excellent one. That's for sure. He definitely lost it. Who else? Yes, ma'am. Solomon. Solomon surely did as well. Very good. All right. Do we got any other answers? All right. I'm going to tell you what my thought is. And you're probably going to get it right away. I think, I would like to submit to you that Jonah had lost... All right, yeah, you guys are getting a little nervous. Okay, well, you guys could speak up because you all were right. All right, so Jonah was one that lost that first love experience. Yes or no? I mean, absolutely. He lost that first love connection that he once had with God. Now, how many of you know what the name Jonah means? There's a clue on the screen. The name Jonah literally means dove. It means a dove. Now, where's the first time you ever saw a dove in the Bible? Where's the first time a dove is mentioned in Scripture? All right. It was during the time of Noah's Ark. Now, what was the dove used for? All right. To search out if there was any life, dry land or anything. And so in Genesis chapter 8, Noah sent out a dove. And one of the last times he sent out a dove, what happened? That dove brought back something. What did he bring back? An olive leaf. Yes, exactly. Now, what is an olive leaf for? What, what was it used in the Bible? Oil. Are you all with me? All right, so this dove brought back a sign of life during the time of the flood. It brought back a, a good message of hope, a good message of life. So we see this dove brought back this olive leaf, which represents the Holy Spirit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to submit to you that Jonah's name means a, his name literally means dove so he should have been a messenger of hope a messenger that was to give life in the midst of darkness and destruction did he do it okay it, it took him some experiences to learn that where did god call jonah to go you all know this we've learned this when we were little babies all right he went to nineveh now was nineveh a good place or a bad place all right it was extremely bad now, it was one of the greatest cities of the then-known world. In fact, notice how the Bible describes 100 years later, after, the, after Jonah was there, after 120,000 or so or more gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, or surrendered and repented, notice how 100 years later, how the prophet describes the condition of Nineveh, and it's going to give us a little idea of what was going on during the time of Jonah. Now, you may seem, think that this is kind of elementary, we know this story, but there's going to be things that we're going to dig deep in throughout the course of the seminar that I pray that will be a blessing to you. Notice how the prophet describes it. Woe to the bloody city. It is full of what? Lies and robbery. Its victim never depart. 
There is a multitude of, a, of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the what? Now, I'm going to show with you where, where it's found. But does this seem like a good city? Can you imagine this? A place where there's bodies upon bodies of people all over wherever you go. Sounds like there's a, it's a war zone, yes? Now, friends, notice why these things were so. Why was this city so destructive and sinful? Any of you have any idea what brought the condition of this place to this? Okay, they turned against God, lies and robbery, yes. What was the major reason? This is going to blow you away. Are you ready for this? The major reason that the Bible gives on why this city was so wicked was this. Because of the multitude of the what? Harlotries of the seductive harlot. The mistress of what? Sorceries who souse nations through her harlotries and families through her what? Sorcery. So what was the main reason that brought on so, dis- so much destruction upon this world, upon this nation, upon this kingdom? Sorcery. Witchcraft. Yes or no? Now I have another question. Does this description describing Nineveh remind you of another kingdom? Does it remind you of another place? Ah, what does it remind you of? Babylon. Okay, notice what the Bible says, speaking of Babylon. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and he and has become a dwelling place of what? Demons. A prison for every foul what? Spirit. And a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become very rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now notice this. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you, what? Anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For the merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were what, everybody? Deceived. So notice, the destruction that took place in Nineveh is the same that is being described here in Babylon. Are, are you all with me so far? Okay, so what are we gathering so far? Jonah, which means a dove, was supposed to be a messenger of heaven that was to give Nineveh the final message of mercy before it was too late. Their sins had reached to heaven, and Noah was the messenger that God was to use to bring light to such a dark place. If you're with me so far, let me hear a hearty happy, I'm still awake, amen. amen. All right. Now, friends, does Jonah remind you of anyone? Does Jonah remind you what his mission is? Does he remind you of anybody? Okay, yes. You and me, yes? It it reminds us of us. We have a message to give to Babylon, yes or no? Come out of her, my people. We are like this dove, this angel that is to give a message of hope and love to a dying world. But like Jonah, my dear friends, many of us are running from the calling that God has given us. Maybe we are losing our first love like Jonah, and as a result, we are not giving the final message of mercy to mankind. At first, what was Jonah's initial response to this calling? Oh yeah, he ran. God told him to go preach the gospel, bring these people to me, and he goes the opposite direction. How many of you have ever done that? Oh, let me speak to you now. How many of you have ever felt convicted, go pray with that person? Go share the glow track with that person. Go, go do something with that person. And you're like, no, Lord, it's, you're not talking to me. You must be talking to that guy right there. 
You're not talking to me. How many of us, like Jonah, are living that same kind of life? We're running from the mission that God has called us to do. Now listen to this verse. You've read it a thousand times. Watch this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Here's a very important question, my dear friends. What is the main problem with Jonah from fleeing from the mission God called him to do? What would you say is the main problem? I think I heard it. Ah, friends, notice what the Bible says. Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the what? Can it be that when God sends us on missionary journeys, when God sends us on missions, what really happens when we turn away from that mission is we're not turning away from those people that are lost, we're turning away from our Savior. You yourself. So my dear friends, I would like to submit to you that the reason why many of us are losing our first love experience is because we're turning away from Him in mission. We're too busy to knock on doors. We're too busy to give Bible studies, not knowing that God is not just interested in using you to save the lost, but He's interested in securing your salvation in Him. And so the main problem with Jonah is the problem with our church today. Well, we think, oh, we could postpone our missionary trip for another year, or I don't have to do canvassing this summer, whatever it may be, not knowing that you're really missing out in Jesus. This is why the Bible gives us this great gospel commission. You know it too. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What do you find in connection with this great gospel commission? Who is connected with you in preaching the gospel? Notice what the Bible says. I am what? I am with you. So it is in connection. God is with us in connection of what? Saving the lost. Are are you all with me so far? I, I don't see too many smiles. All right. You see, friends, the great gospel commission is a collaboration with God and man. When we don't, When we don't go out and reach those that are lost, friends, we're really missing out in a deeper experience with Jesus. This dove, Jonah, was supposed to bring life and light to a city of destruction, but he was called something. You know what Jonah was called? Ah, sounds like what you all are doing right now. You know what he was called? Listen to what the Bible says. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God, and perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not what? All right, so what is Jonah called? He's running away from the mission that God has called him to do, and God calls him a what? Or this man calls him a what? A sleeper. What is the problem with our church? Ah, why? Because we are not doing what? The mission God has called us to do. Now, I shared with you that I've done about 10 years of canvassing, so I've knocked on a lot of doors. And I'll never forget in one of my first experiences of canvassing, I was in Ontario, California. Any of you know where that's at? All right. And um, I, was pulled, I, I was dropped off and I was going up to this house and they had like a ramp leading up to the door. So immediately I thought, this person's an old person. I love old people. So I was running up over to knock on the door, interested in seeing an old person. I knock and it's this middle-aged man in a wheelchair. 
And he looks at me and says, what do you want? I'm like, oh my, I, you know, this is California. All right, I'm from here. I should be used to this. So let me just do it really quickly. And he's like, listen, young man, what are you doing here? Uh, what is your real interest? I said, I just want to share Jesus with you. He started cursing at me. And then he said, get inside my house. <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. Now that was about 12, 13 years ago. And I went inside. I'm like, this man needs Jesus. So I went inside. And uh, he said, all right, sit right here on my couch. And he was wheeling himself over. He's like, what do you got? The first book I shared with him was The Great Controversy. It's my favorite book. And I was sharing with him The Great Controversy. But he noticed something. He noticed that while I was sharing with him, I skipped a huge portion of what the book says. I skipped the whole section of the Reformation of the Catholic Church, what they're doing. I didn't want to start any controversy with this man. I noticed a lot of rosaries, a lot of crosses. You know, I didn't want to just get an argument with him. So I decided I was going to skip that part. Well, friends, I'm going to tell you something. He saw it. He noticed it. And he said, young man, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just sharing with you this wonderful book. He's like, you skipped something. <laughs> he literally said that. I said, uh, yeah, you know, I was just caught. He says, why did he do that? He says, don't you want to be a preacher? I said, yes, sir. He says, preachers don't need to water down the message. You tell me now. He says, you stand up and preach to me from that book. So I got up and I got the great controversy. And I just went through chapter to chapter. I was there for a long time. Yeah, it's not a good thing you should do it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that man, after I gave him that sermonette on the whole great controversy, he says, young man, if you keep preaching the truth, God will use you to bring many to him like you're doing to me. I need this book. And he bought it, gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. You see, friends, God cannot use us when we're sleeping. God cannot use us when we are afraid. We are living in a time in earth's history where many of us are scared to share our views of the Bible because we're not politically correct. While the world is asleep and drowning to the dangers all around them. My dear friends, the problem with the Laodicean church is like Jonah, we have a message to give, but we're sleeping. Now, during the time that we're living in, this coronavirus pandemic, the church has been more asleep than ever before. Oh, we're preaching on churches. It's so easy. Most pastors are in their shorts preaching with just, a, you know, their suit on a camera. And then they go back to bed. Most people are listening to sermons in their bed. We are living in a time that we've lost our mission and our purpose as a church. I want to tell you something. One thing the Lord convicted me last year when this whole thing happened was I, by God's grace, will not stop preaching evangelistic meetings. I want to tell you something. We didn't cancel one series last year. And during the course of this whole pandemic, we've had over 112 people make decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism. There's been witches, gangsters, people that have been lost in this world that needed to hear the gospel, the good news. There's so many stories here. I'm going to share with you one of them. because We don't have time. I don't even know what time it is, but I'm, I reckon we don't have much time. So it was a Sabbath in Weatherford, Texas. We were finishing up our series, last day of our meetings, and this family shows up. This family shows up and says, what's going on? And I share with them, we're doing an evangelistic meeting. 
She's like, oh, great, what is that? Bible prophecy seminar. She's like, oh, excellent. We've been following, we've been watching a Bible prophecy seminar through Amazing Facts. We heard about the Sabbath, and that's why we're here today. And I'm like, well, great. I share the message, make an appeal for baptism. That whole Catholic family that came all made decision, and they are going to get baptized. You see, friends, God doesn't just need us to share the message through literature, through television. They need people. They need to recognize that there is a church that preaches these truths, that is open for them. So one way we could lose our first love with Jesus is by not doing or fulfilling the call or mission that God has given us. Yes or no? Absolutely. When we begin to run away from the very mission God has called each and every one of us, we begin to sleep spiritually. So what, God, what talents and gifts has God given you? How are you using it for the Master? Friends, can you consider in your heart and in your mind today that maybe the reason why my love for God is not burning is because I'm not doing anything for God? Maybe that's a reason. Well, I'd like to cover a very important point. How do I grow in my relationship with God while sharing God with others? Remember, God has us on missions not just to save others, but to save who? Ourselves. Now, friends, is your mission that God has you on drawing you closer to Him? Or like Jonah, are you on cruise control and allowing the waves of this world to drown you from the true mission? You see, friends, what causes us to lose our first love experience with Jesus is not just running away from the mission that God has called us to do, but it also can take place while you're doing the mission and being distracted by the world. Is that right? You know, I travel and I go to different of our colleges, universities, um, I've worked with Southwestern for a number of years now. And some of the times when, when I do field school evangelism with them, one of the things that I educate them, if you want to have a successful campaign, you've got to be fasting. Not just of food, but of the world. Don't be like, don't care, who cares about what's going on with your favorite football team, your favorite basketball team? You are on a mission. And so many of these young people decide I'm going, we are going to fast from all those worldly things and we're just going to give 100% to our evangelistic meaning. I want to tell you, not only did people make decisions in their series, but they themselves made decisions for baptism in their own series. They experienced a revival in their life that caused many of these young people to get baptized in the own campaigns that they were preaching. Can it be, friends, that while that our love for God will grow if we are willing to not be distracted by the things of this world? You see, you could be thinking, well, number one, David, I'm doing the mission that God has called me to do, but I still don't have that love experience. Can it be that you are distracted by the things of this world and that could be the very reason why? I, I believe so. I believe so. So did you know that our lackluster love for God doesn't just affect us, but it affects the lost even more. You see, friends, it took the world, these worldly people, to wake up this sleeping Jonah so he could preach to them, so he could save them. It's tragic, but friends, I don't know about you, but we need a revival in our life, amen? And it begins at the cross. So if you are losing your first love experience... You know what you could do right now? You know what you could do right now? If you're losing your first love experience with God, you've lost it, or maybe you had it once, you know what you could do right now? 
you can ask God to give you a fish experience. Um, not talking about going to Chick-fil-A and eating some fish. No, we ought, we ought not to be doing that. But, but you know what the Bible says? We ought or lose that love for God. It's because obviously, like we said before, we run away from the mission God has called us to do. So, are you all with me so far? Okay. So here's two points really quick. What causes us to lose our love for the Lord? Running away from the mission, because when we run away from the mission, we're really running away from the Messiah. Yes? Second point is we're not having an intimate, real, consistent relationship with God while in that mission. Okay. So those are those two points. Now to our second part. How do we make sure that your love for God is thriving, growing while spreading the gospel? There are four points that causes you to lose your love for Jesus. There's four things that cause you to lose your love for Jesus Christ. We learned we are not to neglect our relationship or replace it with God while working for God. We learned that we need to fast from worldly things that distract us from our mission that God has called us to do. Now we're going to learn two more things that cause us to lose that love from God. Now the Bible says this of Jonah. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is where? The preaching of Jonah made an impact not just on Nineveh, but it did the opposite in his life. Can it be that while we preach the gospel, we could lose salvation? How did this happen to Jonah? Notice what the Bible says. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became what? Angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. Now notice this. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to what? All right, how did this happen? What happened with Jonah? I mean, he preaches, you know, to repent. The pe- hundreds of thousands of people repent. But Jonah doesn't. He wants to die. What happened to Jonah? Oh, he didn't keep his relationship with God. He wasn't awake. Okay, what else? The, the, oh, the little plant died? Yeah, yeah, the little shade. That's right. Uh-huh. You know what his problem was? Jealous of his reputation. You know, friends, how we could lose our love for God while doing work for God? Is we worry about what others think of us more than we worry about what others think of God. What is my reputation? How can I make myself famous? How can I make myself known before the world rather than Jesus Christ? Notice what the Spirit of Prophecy says, speaking of Jonah here. When Jonah learned of God's purpose to spare the city, he allowed his mind to dwell upon the possibility of his being regarded as a false prophet. Jealous of his reputation, he lost sight of the infinitely greater value of the souls in that wretched city. So what was the first problem he had? He was jealous of his what? Jealous of his reputation. Yes, that's right. He was sharing the gospel with these people, but 
in his mind's eye, he was more focused upon himself. He wanted that prophecy to come true that they were going to be destroyed rather than being saved. Today, friends, there's many preachers that are worried about their reputation more than the cross. They preach in front of the cross. They preach about the cross all the while forgetting about who died on the cross. They talk about their accomplishments and what they have done rather than what Jesus is currently doing for the behalf of mankind. Friends, if you don't want your love for God to die, don't focus on yourself. Focus on Jesus. Who cares what other people think of you? You know, I've, I, I don't know how many doors I've knocked on, but it's been a lot. And there's been many times when I've knocked on a door and an individual, like at a business, is particularly because we canvas businesses as well, and this business guy would say, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, how much money do you even make? Like, why don't you work for us? You look like you could speak pretty well. You can make way more money. Why don't you just work for us? I'm not worried about money. I'm not worried about my reputation. I'm worried about one thing, and that's your salvation. I was canvassing in Texas. I walked into a realtor agency. And immediately when I walked in, there was a bunch of cubicles all around. Now, as a co-porter, you want things to be very personal. You want to be able to go to each cubicle, but if you canvassed a lot, as soon as someone spots you in a business, what typically happens is they report you, and then you get kicked out. So I walk in, I'm seeing all these cubicles, and I'm thinking, Lord, which one do I go to? And I was just wasting time thinking, who needs, who, where do I need to go? So I said, you know what, I'm just going to talk to everybody right now. So I just kind of went in the middle. I said, good, good morning, everybody. Everyone's just on their phones writing stuff down. They're like, what is this kid doing? I said, good morning. How you all doing? And people are like, what is going on? Is this a holdup or something? <laughs> and so then I share, hey, my name is David Machado, or David, I'm a student working on a scholarship program, and just start canvassing, sharing the books in the air. Like, this book talks about this. Who needs this one? This book talks about this, and who needs this one? All these people started leaving their cubicles and they started coming to the very center where I was at. And then they started saying, I need that book. I need... Then they started arguing about the books. I said, please don't do that. And I called the, the van guy. The guy came with more books. We had all the books spread out and everything. Everyone was like, oh, we want this. All of a sudden, it was incredible. I had a wonderful experience. One of the ladies says, can you pray for me? Can you pray for this situation? And another one says, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. We knelt down in this real estate business. All of us knelt down and prayed for each other. We don't understand how much people need the Lord until we tried. I could give you a whole seminar on soul winning. You can know the nuts and bolts about it. But if you never try it, you will never experience it. If you say, I have to go through this seminar in order to save a soul, friends, you're not, you're not thinking straight. You go to Jesus and experience Christ, and that will be enough. You'll be like, I want to share Jesus wherever I'm at, wherever I'm going. But friends, it doesn't matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter what you may lose in the world's mind. You share Jesus, and He will bless your life, your spiritual life, in, ways, in more ways than one. I was doing a series in an unknown place. And this was one of my first evangelistic meetings. I was so nervous. And I had no idea what I was doing. But there was a, 
the church that I was at had a pastor. And I remember we, I made an altar call. People made decisions. And conference officials showed up to this particular church. And they had a meeting with me. The pastor and this other conference official. And he says, listen, this man, this pastor, needs this amount of baptisms in order to move to a better district. Can you help him? So we went to different houses, and I'm learning this, that this man is just wanting, just wanting himself to get a better reputation. He's not interested in the salvation of souls. He could care less. I was there as we were going to different houses and sharing the gospel with people. He just says, would you want to get baptized? Just get baptized. They're like, what is baptism? They didn't even know what it meant. And I was sitting here, this is early on in my, I guess, my Christian experience in doing soul winning, and I saw people just care about their, their name. They just care about themselves. And I remember at that point, I said, Lord, help this never be my situation. Where I get so focused on how many souls are going to get baptized so I could get a name for myself or this or that. It broke my heart in one of my first evangelistic campaigns because this minister of the gospel was worried more about his reputation than souls. Friends, people could get to that point in, in working for the Lord where it's all about themselves. Friends, that's another way you lose your love for Christ. Your focus is not on the right place. The last point on this topic, on this, how do you lose your love for God? Third one was considering your reputation above God's. The last one is you don't understand the value of a soul. Did Jonah understand the value of a soul? Clearly didn't. Notice what the Bible says here. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? So what is, what is God telling Jonah? People are more important than anything else. Did you hear me? No. Oh. Salvation of souls is more important than your job, than your house than anything that you have. Jonah was crying over this plant that he'd even plant himself. More than he cried and labored for souls. So how do we gain a passion for lost souls? How do we value a soul? Well, friends, it is by rekindling our love for Jesus. You know how that happens? You see how much Jesus values you. Did you hear me? Yeah. How much does Jesus value souls? You know, Jesus lost his cousin, John. Right? His head was chopped off. Y'all remember that experience? How many of you have ever lost a loved one? Is it a sad experience? Yeah, it's very tragic. John, uh, Jesus just lost his cousin. And you know what he says to his disciples? Let's go, let's go away from everybody. He literally says, let's go out and rest. Jesus wanted to mourn. Jesus wanted to take a break. Jesus wanted to mourn. He just lost his cousin. And he says, hey, let's go do this. Let's go. And in, while he was doing that, the Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, 
He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. In the midst of a tragic time in his life, he's more focused on these weary people than himself. Friends, when you see how much Jesus values souls, it does something to your soul. When you see how much Jesus loves people and their salvation, it does something for you. Amen? The Bible says Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their what? Sick. Jesus has one interest, and that is the salvation of mankind. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing God said? Where are you? God is just interested in one thing. Where are you? Are you in his arms? Are you experiencing him? Where are you? Friends, I want to submit to you that our love for God grows when we recognize how much he loves you, how much he values the lost. You see, friends, if we know the shepherd, then we can't help but bring sheep to him. Did you hear me? When we have an intimate relationship with the shepherd, we can't help but lead sheep to him. Because we are experiencing that love. We see the value that he has for us. So what's the value of a soul? It's the price that Christ paid to save it, to save us. So what's the value of a soul? Is it more than your house? Yeah? Is it more than your car? And why do we spend more time in it than outside searching for souls? Why do we spend more time caring about temporal things than on eternal? Can it be that we don't recognize the value of a soul? Here are four points that we just talked about that, lose, that causes us to lose our first love experience. First one that we must not do is don't neglect or replace your relationship with God with what? Working for God, your number one objective in serving the Lord is growing in your walk with God, having a consistent relationship with God. Amen? Amen. You know, it's been 15 years since I surrendered my life to God, thinking I was going to a rap concert. Y'all remember that? I shared that last night. Man, I was fooled greatly. But you know, since that time, since I developed my relationship with the Lord, I'm not saying this to brag or to boast because I don't, I'm not doing that. But I did not... I have not missed one day with Jesus. What do I mean by that? In 15 years, every single day, I have spent time in His Word, spent time praying to Him. Friends, that is what's kept me from all the discouragements in ministry. That's what keeps me going. So don't neglect or replace your relationship with God with working for God. Number two, Fast from worldly things that distract you from your mission that God has you on. Number three, don't be jealous of your reputation. You don't mean much. Number four, don't, you don't understand the value of a soul, and that's why we lose our love experience for the master. You all with me? Okay. So what if you've lost your first love? All right? So we're wrapping things up now. What if you've lost your first love with Jesus while doing ministry, and you just want to know how to fall in love with Christ. That's where you're here maybe today. You want to know, hey, 
I'm not even ready for mission work. I just need an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have not had that experience. How do I get that? Maybe that's you. You want to learn how to rekindle your love for God or just have that love for God. How do I get it? Are you all ready? Oh, you're not ready. Try this again. You're ready to hear an amen. Amen. All right. How can I rekindle my love for the Lord Jesus Christ? How can I experience a love for God? Well, there's three things you need to do. How many things? How do you say that in Spanish? How about Romanian? Aha, uh-huh, very good. All right, we have a Romanian. Okay. What'd you say? Sost? What's that? In what language? Pardon me? I'm Hari. Oh, very nice. Thank you. How do you say it? Sost. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. Any, anyone else from another country? Set? Korean. Man, we're... Okay, this is going to be incredible. All right. (laughs) We're going to be here for a long time. All right. So here we go. Back to this. We've learned some language. We learned how to say three in Romanian, Spanish, and Korean, and Amahari. All right, very good. So let's go back to our regularly scheduled program. How do we rekindle our love for God? How do we do that? There's how many things we need to do? How do you? Yeah, sauce. That's right. All right. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I'm going to tell you the first two right now, and then we're going to get into it. They're all R's. The first two is remember and what? Remember and repent. Now, where do we get this from? Early on, someone in the front mentioned the Ephesus church lost their first love experience. Found in Revelation 2. Here it is. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your what? So what do you do? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen repent and do the first work. So there's three R's here. Remember, repent, and return. Okay? So if you want to have that, 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 that fire started again or you want that fire to start, remember three things. Remember, repent, and return. And the Bible says, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you what? Okay, so watch. Jonah had the gospel message to give to Nineveh. The Adventist church has the gospel message to give to Babylon, to the world. Amen? Okay. Jonah and the church have a problem. What's our problem? We are sleeping. All right? So, friends, how does the church fall in love with Jesus in the first place? How did Ephesus fall in love with Christ? How did they experience that love that they once had? How did they have that? Any ideas? Getting acquainted with God, spending time with God, okay. What else? Saving souls, okay. Focus their eyes on Jesus, excellent, very good. Now, how many of you know where Ephesus literally is? Or literally was, excuse me, it's not there right now, but yeah. You see it on the map? Right down there? Probably should use my pointer. Right here. Do you know where that's at? Yeah, that's right, that's where Turkey's at. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire, boasting around, I think, a quarter of a million people in that little city. So the time frame of the Church of Ephesus was the first church, so it was around 30 A.D. all the way to 100 A.D. So these are where the apostles worked. These are where the apostles spread the gospel. Many of the apostles helped um, bring many people to Christ in that town. So what was wrong with Ephesus? Any of you knew, know what the major issue of Ephesus was? What problems did they have in Ephesus? 
They had a big problem. Pagan worship. You've heard of the goddess Diana? Goddess of fertility? That was the major god there. Right there in Ephesus. So these people in Ephesus had to deal with idolatry. How to deal with paganism. So when the, God, the apostles come and start sharing Jesus Christ, there were a lot of things that they had to, to, to learn. A lot of things that they had to surrender. A lot of things that they, they learned about the real God. How many of you have ever been to a pagan place? A place steeped with idolatry. Huh? What, someone says every single day? Every oh, every city. Okay, yeah, that's right. How many of you have ever been to India? All right, we got, we got a good amount. All right, so in 2014, I went down there um, to start GLOW. You know the GLOW tracks? So I went over there and translated, we translated GLOW in many of the dialects down there. And it was one of the most incredible trips I've ever experienced. We, I would sleep on trains going from city to city at night. But the one thing that I learned that will never leave me was just how poor and how confused these people were. I remember I got off one of the trains and I see this, this man and he has no arms and no legs and he just has like a bucket in front of him. Just looks so deplorable. And I, and I was talking to my translator, I was like, hey, what's going on with that? What happened to that guy? So we went over to talk with him and he says, I purposely did this to myself. I cut my arms, I cut my legs off so that people could actually pay attention to me. I, I'm in the bottom of the class, class system the untouchables, no one cares about us. So I figured if I cut off my arms, I cut off my legs, someone would care. I said, there is someone that cares, my friend. More than you know. He loves you. You don't need to do anything to get his attention. I gave him a glow track. We prayed with him. I then went on another train. And I'll never forget this experience. We were sitting in the, in the AC unit because it was an overnight train. And this, the AC section of a train is usually where the rich people from India go. And I remember I sit down. This is in 2014. I get married in 2015. So I'm sitting down, and there's this Indian couple. And the first thing the man says to me is, Hi. I said, Hi. How many wives do you have? He says. I said, excuse me? He says, how many wives do you have? I said, I have zero. <laughs> I don't have not even one. He's like, oh my. So you don't have any children? I'm like, well, no, I don't have any children. I need a wife. To, you know, anyways. I said, no. So he's like, you don't have any wives. You don't have any children. So why are you smiling so much? That's literally what he says to me. I said, because I have someone. He's like, well, who is that? I said, it's Jesus. He's like, who's Jesus? You know, in India, they have over 300 million gods. They have a God for everything. You hurt your finger, you got to pray to this God. You hurt your toe, you got to pray to this God. You're losing hair, you got to pray to that God. You know, everything is a different God. You know what I mean? You get kind of confusing. So I start sharing with him about what Jesus means to me. You know what this man says with his wife? He says, brother, if you could be so happy without a wife and kids because of Jesus, I want that Jesus. So he says, can, can, can you somehow give me Bible studies and stuff? And I said, absolutely. So my translator got his phone number, and they started, started having Bible studies with each other. Well, while I was talking to that man, 
There was, a, there was a young girl that was across the way looking at me. I mean, she finds out some news about me or something, and she's looking over. Now, you could sense when someone is looking at you, staring at you. Have you ever experienced that? It just feels weird. So as I'm talking to these, this couple, I could sense someone's looking at me, so I look over. And every time I look over, she turns away. So anyways, it was late at night. I told my translator to give her a glow track. He hands her a glow track. She reads it that night. When I wake up that next morning, she hands the glow track back, and in the back it has a message. It says, do you mind talking to me about Jesus? So the train stops. We go outside where there's hundreds of people all around, and I start sharing with her the gospel about Jesus Christ, and she makes this statement in front of everybody, Muslims and everybody. She says, or Hindus and everybody, she says, I want to accept Jesus as my only God. Now that's a statement in India. I am rejecting 300 million gods for this God. Friends, we got something to offer the world. Can you say amen? amen? Ephesus had a lot of paganism, a lot of idolatry, but many people find out who the true God is. Much spiritualism happening in that place. But these converted Christians learn about the cross. They learn about the light of the world. They learn about Jesus Christ, and they accept Him as their personal Savior, and He changes their life. Can you say amen? amen? They have an experience with Him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what was their problem? They accept Christ as their personal Savior. They're in love with Him. What begins to happen with these sheep? They lose sight of their Savior. And as a result of losing sight of the Savior, they lose that first love experience. This is why... John tells them, remember and what? What are they to remember about? Okay. Okay, okay. Friends, how many of you remember your first love experience with God? Do you remember it? Yeah? How come some of us forgot? Can it be that we don't spend time thinking about it? Thinking about him and what he did? You know, this is why John says this. And they overcame him, that's the devil, by what? The blood of the lamb and by the what? Why does God want us to share our testimony? Come on, speak to me, don't miss this. Why? So we can remember. When we forget what Jesus has done for us, what he's doing for us, we lose our first love experience. How do we overcome the devil? The first thing is what? I want to tell you something about the blood of the Lamb. If you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, does that do something for you? Come on, speak to me. Does that change your life? Is it, are you going to be living a different life than one you once loved? Yes. Lived. Absolutely. Friends, don't ever say that you don't have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, it's because you haven't had the blood of the Lamb experience. When Jesus comes into your life, He transforms your life. And that's why they say, we overcome the devil by accepting this and by remembering that. How do we remember that? It's by sharing your testimony. Yes or no? So if you want to rekindle your love for God, or if you want to kindle it, it begins with the blood of the Lamb. Amen? 
what Jesus Christ has done for us, that will change your life. Amen. Amen. Once that happens, what are you supposed to do? Share it. Don't forget it. The moment you forget, the moment, is you, the moment happens that you begin to lose your love for Christ because you forget about what he's done for you, what he's doing for you. You all with me this morning? The way we overcome the devil is by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our behalf and telling others about the grace of God. Amen? The problem with the Ephesian church, church of Ephesus, is they once had that experience of the blood of the Lamb, but they neglected in sharing that. They forgot about that experience. And as a result of forgetting about what Jesus Christ did for them, the Bible says, They lost their first love. Friends, the goodness of God is what leads us to what? So it is impossible for us to look at the cross, accept the blood of the Lamb, and not repent of our sins. The goodness of God leads us to what? So what are the three steps that causes us to rekindle our love for Christ? Remember what? Remember what Christ has done for us, amen? Remember the sacrifice of the cross. Number two is what? Repent of what? Of the things that have turned us away from that. Amen? The things that have turned us away from the cross, the distractions of this world. And the last thing, remember, repent. What is the last R? Return. What does that mean? Go back and do what you first did. Go back and do what, what, that, what you started to do. Share your testimony with others. Share what Christ has done for you in your behalf. I guarantee you, friends, that when you do those things, your fire for the Lord will not grow dim. Amen? But you will be set free, not just today, but forever. By looking at the cross, you will remember what He's done for you. You will repent of your sins. The Bible says you will return to the works that Christ once had you do. Now, one of my favorite places to share the gospel, some of you know this because some of you may have heard my seminar before, but one of my favorite places are an evangelistic series. To witness for the Lord, you know where it's at? It is at a, on an airplane. Now, any of you know why that's the best place to witness for the Lord. Yeah, yeah why? They cannot go anywhere. Can you say amen to that? So, um, I remember I was sitting in the coveted middle seat. Now, why is that a coveted seat? Because you get one person here and one person here. Well, I was sitting in the middle seat. I was praying that God would bring someone that needs the gospel. And this old lady sat right here next to the aisle. And a young man sat right next to the window. The young man had huge earphones on, or whatever those things are called, like covering half his head. And then the lady, immediately, the plane doesn't even take off, she falls asleep. <laughs> so I'm like looking at this lady, I'm like, oh, I don't even get her name. Then I'm looking at this guy, and he's just rocking on or whatever. I'm like, mercy. So I begin to work on a presentation. I'm like, well, I can't talk with them. Maybe they could see something. So I'm working on you know, one of my sermons. And on my computer currently, I probably have over a thousand pictures, you know, that I use that you've seen on, on this presentation. 
Many of them I buy, and you know, some of them I take. And I put this picture up on my computer, this exact one. Just a random picture of some girl. It was a free picture that I get from a subscription. So I was thinking, okay, I'll put this one in one of my presentations. Guess what happened? I get a tap. I look over and he's like, hey, I don't mean to bother you. You look really busy. You look like you've been doing a lot. I'm like, it's okay. In my mind, I'm like, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, did you take that picture? I said, no. He's like, do you know who that is? I'm like, no. He's like, and I said, why? He's like, because I went to school with her. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, we went to, I went to the seminary, a Presbyterian seminary or something like that, and she was one of my classmates. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yes. So I said, you went to the seminary? He's like, yes. I'm like, so what, are you a pastor? He's like, I was. I was. Then he begins to share with me how he lost his first love. All the drama in the church, all the issues, all the struggles, and now he's doing construction. And he begins to share with me, you know, how, how all this happened. And I said, Lord, help me. In my mind, help me, Lord. So then I begin to share with him. And right before the plane lands, this young man begins to cry. And he says, God brought you into my life to not just rekindle my love for the Lord, but to remind me of the calling that he's placed on my heart. He says, young man, I'm leaving this plane, going back to being a pastor. Thank you so much. How did that happen? Oh, just, yeah, random. Just happens, huh? Friends, I have a thousand pictures on my computer. What in the world? I don't even like this picture that much. But, you know, I was, it was free. I was going to use it. I used it, and boom, it was the exact one out of a thousand that this man went to school with. And that led to this man experiencing a, a, a fire in his life again for the Lord. How do these things happen, friends? It happens when we are in touch with the Lord. It happens when we want to win souls for Christ. It happens when we're not like Jonah trying to run from our mission, but run to our mission. Your mission is wherever your feet go. In this hotel, there's people that need the Lord. Are you praying for them? Are you asking the Lord, Lord, help me find someone who needs you? I didn't get my computer and put it on this guy's lap and work on my presentation. I wasn't rude. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm like, hey man, look at here. I had no idea. Ask God to bring people in your life that need Jesus, and I guarantee you he will do it. Yeah. And that will not just help them, but that will help you more than you know. Yeah. Amen? All right. Well, I promise you we will have time for questions. Is that all right? But before we answer some, ask some questions, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Father, which are in heaven, Father, we went through a lot today, and I just simply pray, Lord, that you would help us not be like Jonah, a person, Lord, that had a message to give but ran from it. He cared more about himself and the lost 
Father, I sincerely ask that you will rekindle our love for you. That you would help us to know what you're doing. Help us to remember, repent, and return. And help us, Lord, to never lose sight of you. We love you, and we just ask for a revival in our life. For I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Oh, okay. So we have a question. Once someone breaks the ice, we will never stop. That's usually how it goes. Do we have any questions? Yes, sir. Just speak up and I'll repeat the question. Yeah, that's an excellent question that we can answer in a whole Bible prophecy seminar. Thank you so much. I would say, no, the church hasn't completely lost it. If it wasn't for ASI, maybe. Can you say that? <laughs> no, I believe that God has people in his church that haven't lost it, obviously. We're here, we're wanting to learn. Yes, is our church asleep for the majority of the part? Maybe many churches are. But I will never say that our church has completely fallen. That's not biblical. It will not fall. Just, God chose this church just as he chose ancient Israel. It wasn't because we were the biggest, the largest, the richest, but we were studying. There was a class of people that built this church, that made this church, that established this church. There were students of the word of God. The sanctuary message is what makes us different from any other church. And the moment we lose sight of what Christ is doing for us, that's when we lose our mission as a church. Because listen, Jesus is about to leave the most holy place. And when he does that, it's over. So we as a church have, should have some serious anxiety problems, is that right? Like we need to tell everybody about Christ. I'm, I'm kind of joking here, don't take that literal. But we, we need to have an urgency because the time is coming when there's no more hope. And what are, have we done with the time that we have? And so as, if we don't lose sight of what Christ is doing, then we will have that zeal for the Lord. Yeah. Oh my. And then I said, I have So the church, the church doesn't, thank you for sharing that. So the church doesn't get better by you leaving the church. Yeah, that's right. The church gets better by you staying and working for the church. Amen. All right, any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That's right. That's right. You know, if you didn't grow up Adventist, you, you are, you know, in many ways blessed. The majority of my family's Catholic. My grandmother's Mormon. Um, I have, and my aunts and uncles, a lot of them are Jehovah Witnesses. And then my, my stepdad is an evangelical. And so I have a lot of 
family reunions are awesome, you know, <laughs> and they're pretty intense. But when you recognize, when you recognize our message compared to what other people believe, it's such a precious experience. It, it, we have such a mission, and it's beautiful to share. That's right. All right, any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Come again? What is the sanctuary message? Oh, that's an excellent question. Okay. So, how do I share this in one minute? Okay, here it is. So the sanctuary, the base of the sanctuary, why God established the sanctuary was like this tent, right? And in this tent, God established this tent through Moses to help the children of Israel who were lost in bondage, who were in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years to, to know how to have an experience with God, how to have a relationship with God. So God had Moses construct this sanctuary, it's like a tent, to help them to understand how to have a relationship with him. Does that make sense so far? And so he had them build this, but not just for that purpose. Moses built that sanctuary to help the world understand how we can be saved. Because that sanctuary that Moses built was just an example of what God is doing for us up in heaven. So it's like a replica. And so that's it in a nutshell. The sanctuary helps us to understand the process of salvation, what Christ is doing for us right now, so that we could eventually dwell with him again. Um, but come, with, come to me after, and I could give you some links of some of my presentations so you could get the full thing. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, that's right. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of easy for me when someone, you know, I, when I sit down, I'm usually like, hey, how's it going? I'll, I'll tell you an experience, okay? Here's another one. So I was in this plane, and I prayed again for God to bring someone, you know, I would need the Lord, and I was sitting in the middle of the plane. And as I was sitting there, again, I was in the middle seat. And an Asian guy sits to me on my right, and a Hispanic lady sits to, on the aisle. So I'm sitting there, and I turn to the Asian guy first. And I say, hey, how are you doing? My name is David. What's your name? And he's like, whatever his name is. And then I say, okay, well, where are you heading? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to California. This is what he said. I said, I'm going to California too. And then he says, and then he, then he said, well, where in California are you going? I asked him. He says, well, I'm going to Loma Linda. So then I said, that's incredible. I was born in Loma Linda. And I said, what are you going to Loma Linda for? And he's like, well, I'm going up for a job interview at Loma Linda Medical Center. Now, this is literally what he says. He said, I'm a little nervous. He was a scientist. He says, I'm a little nervous because I heard that, that hospital is Christian. But I never heard of these people. They're like seven-day-something people. <laughs> this is literally what he said. Now, watch this. I'm in the plane, right? I'm in the middle. He's like, they're these seven-day-something people. And then he says... Since you were born there, do you know anything about these seven-day people? I literally almost jumped out of my seat. Okay, I was like, oh my. I said, do you have pen and paper? He's like, yes. I'm like, all right, well, get it out. For the next hour and a half, not lying to you, I'm sharing with this brother what we believe in as a church. He is just taking notes, notes, notes. And you know when you've sat in a class and you're taking notes and you could just tell your handwriting is just getting super sloppy? 
It's like getting a cramp. Have you ever had that experience? Well, I could just tell this man is having a serious cramp. His notes were just looking terrible. So I asked him, hey, brother, do you need a break? You know what happened? Someone in the front of the plane stood up, turned around, and said, young man, we all need a break. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> what happened was the plane was broken. We never left. So for the last hour and a half, we were on the runway. They were fixing stuff. And there were, the TV wasn't on. There was no music. It was just a loud Hispanic guy in the middle of the plane <laughs> preaching the gospel. Well, you know what happened? When that guy said that, he looked at me and says, listen, my mind is loving what you're sharing, but my flesh is weak. You know, kind of, he didn't say that, but he's like, I'm tired. The Hispanic lady that was sitting next to me turns over. She taps me on the shoulder. She's tearing up. And she says, young man, I'm a Catholic. In the last hour and a half, I've learned more about the Bible than I've had my whole life. She says, when I land, when I land, she said, I'm going to find your church. I, I shared with her and the guy that I'm a seven-day That's why I kind of knew some of the stuff, obviously. Um, so you asked the question, do you think I planned that out? No. Here's a, here's a short acronym you can know, okay? To make friends. Are you ready? It's FORT. F-O-R-T. F stands for family. Talk about your family with people. You know, I can't shut up about my son. Seven weeks old, he weighs 11 pounds, 22 inches long, and he doesn't sleep at night. I could tell you a lot more stuff about him. Talk about your family with people. That's the first thing. O stands for occupation. Talk about your work with people. It's easy for me when they ask me, what do you do? I say, I'm an evangelist. They're like, what is that? Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. No, no. Then R stands for religion. You could get into spiritual things about, you know, what church do you attend to when you have time? Ask a question like that. And there's other questions. We could do a whole seminar on that. But the last thing is T, which stands for testimony. So it's FORT, F-O-R-T. T stands for testimony, sharing what Christ has done for you in your life. Learning that acronym kind of helps you to make friends with people, anyone. That's what we teach in canvassing and Bible working. But yeah, that, that's kind of a thing. But yeah, I don't plan things out. I pray. I ask God for wisdom. And he just brings people like that. That's just incredible. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So you had to study in order to be able to share. That's right. If we're not studying and spending that time, that quality time with God, to know where this is found and where that's found, there's no way that we're going to be able to do what you did. That's not to say God can't use That's that. right. That's right. We really have to put in the time. That's right. That's all about a relationship with God. You're going to spend time with Him. You're going to learn from Him. Exactly. Yes, sir. Okay. Every time I, um, every, no matter where I'm at, the Lord brings people to me. And I find money laying on the ground like a penny or dime or a nickel or whatever, whatever God puts there. I don't care where I'm at, store, furniture, or whatever. I put my arm on it, and I've done this since 1993. These people have let me put my arm on it. I pray with them. I've talked to police officers as they cry. I've talked to people that just needed prayer. And once we started praying with them, guess what? We can share the message. Amen. 
and pennies. I'm telling you, you want to have a blast? Go to McDonald's. I have Pathfinder kids that I work with. They didn't think I would do it to biker gangs and everything. They would throw money down on the ground and see if I would have prayer with those people. Mm-hmm. And if you just have the power of prayer, that is one of the keys that opens the heart of an individual. Amen. That's just my thought. Well, I do it like this. Like, here's a penny. I go like this. I say, hey, look what I found on the ground. <laughs> and they get excited. Some say, well, is it on heads or tails? Or they do whatever to me. I said, no, you know what I do when I find money? I walk right over to just like this. And this is no fib. I walk right over to him just like this. And I put my arm around. Say, dear Lord, I just ask that you would bless this man and his family. I don't know where he's traveling or what he's doing. But I know you brought us together for a reason. That we could talk with you. Thank you again for your kindness and how you always bless us, Lord. Amen. And uh, they walk away. They're crying. I had a police officer was this tall in Sarasota, Florida. It just started bawling and said, how did you know I needed that? And I'm telling you, he's right about the fort, but really they need prayer. If mm-hmm. we can pray, like the lady preached today, when she stood up this morning, she said, I forgot how to pray. It was stuck in my throat. Very good. That's Friends, just like David, use your own armor. Use what God has given you. You know, you all have different gifts and talents. And so use what you got. You don't have to be a certain way of a preacher, preach like a preacher. Live how God, use the talents God has given you. You know, if any of you have any more questions or any more thoughts, you can contact me. There's my contact information. But I saw another hand or two. Would like to, yes, sir. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's right. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Any other questions? Say them again. Yeah, religion. Okay. Any other questions? How long have you been married? I've been married six years in a couple days. Yeah. So I'm an evangelist, so we're based in Arkansas right there. But yeah, I, I travel everywhere. All right, if there's no more questions or thoughts, God bless you all. Thank you for coming. See you later. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.